Welcome to the Self-Made Babe podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Altuve, and I'm the founder of Self-Made Babe. Self-Made Babe is a community and digital platform empowering career-driven women to achieve their version of success. The Self-Made Babe podcast is the go-to podcast for women looking for entrepreneurship, career, social media, self-development, lifestyle, and wellness tips. Visit our website at selfmadebabe.com to find everything you need to become a self-made babe. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to the Self-Made Babe podcast. Today's podcast episode is on what it's like to be Latina in 2020 and a DACA recipient. And I have my friend here, Lore, who is an activist for DACA recipients. And we're going to bring awareness on Latinos and the struggles that we all go through having immigrated to this country or having having our parents immigrated to this country. So introduce yourself, Lore. Hi, how are you? Um, Thank you for the little intro. (laughs) So yes, I am Lorena. I am a DACA recipient and I've been living in the U.S. for most of my life it's probably going to be 17 years now so i've been this is my home this is what i call my home oh how how old are you now then i am 24 years old okay yeah so what i guess we can dive into what it's like growing up as a latina in the u.s i mean first of all we need to talk about the super bowl performance this year Ah! what did you think Oh, that was amazing. I was so proud of that moment. Just because it was, I was proud for two reasons. One, because I saw the two women standing there doing the performance and representing us as women, first of all. Right. So I was like, wow, that's amazing. Just like the fact that it was like the women empowerment. But then on top of it, they were from our immigrant community, from our Latin community. So obviously that was just like, whoa, too much, you know? And then, and then we went ahead and brought in two additional performers who are also part of our Latinx community. And that was just like, it was too much. I was so excited seeing, seeing the performance, seeing our culture come through, seeing the fact that, you know, our, our culture never dies no matter where we are. And they brought that. They brought that to the stage. So that was awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I was screaming the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, growing I would listen to Shakira and J-Lo growing up. And that's all my mom would listen to when I would grow up. So when people would grow up with Britney, although I did grow up with Britney, I, know, right? I grew up yeah. with Shakira. I grew up with J-Lo. And so seeing those two powerhouses come together was right. so incredible. The only thing is the backlash that came with it because people thought that Shakira wasn't Latina enough Mm, Um, mm -hmm. I guess we can talk about that too yeah I mean there's always people that are going to talk about something like whether it's good whether it's bad I mean you can't you can't prevent that from happening so I just felt like they did their part you know they they went on the stage they brought their culture they represented us really well and they really brought that women empowerment movement I felt like after that Um, They did a lot of like media awareness as well, where, you know, they shared how they felt uh, being being uh, women on the stage, you know, of such a big event. Right. Because it is an iconic event. And I see so many so much backlash 
with when Shakira was dancing with the Afro Latinx community because mm-hmm. they're thinking that was like culture appropriation. But I think people, what people didn't understand is that Latino is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. It can be from white, very very white European descent, or very um, what's it called, very African American, and so just knowing that there's a spectrum, it's kind of hard to determine who is Latino and who isn't. Because a lot of people have like this, um, I don't know, like this cookie cutter version of like what they think a Latino is. Mm -hmm. Right, the cookie cutter. I always say like, you know, it's really just like what's in your culture, what's in your blood, where do you come from and how do you portray those roots? Because at the end of the day, there is no cookie cutter of anything. So I always think like, you know, um, especially as women, you know, obviously there was so much backlash uh, behind that too, right? Because that's just, you can't deny it. And that's why, you know, we just got to move forward with it and like, you know, do our thing because people will always talk about us and people will always, not us in general, but people are always going to talk about something and they're always going to comment negatively. But I think at the end of the day, it's about how we react towards that negative um, feedback that right. makes the big difference. So right. at the end of the day, that's what they did. And I think, you know, like I said, I think they represented as well and they represented their culture as well. Okay. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. Now, I want to dive into what it was like growing up under your, like, under your perspective. Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up Latina, especially growing up in Miami? Because we kind of don't see the difference mm-hmm. as much as opposed to if, like, we moved to a different state or city. Right, right. Well, I actually, um, the first city that I lived in when I came to the U.S. was Houston, Texas. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so let's dive into that. Your background, yeah. how you got here and everything. Where are you from? So I came from Colombia, and okay. my, my family and I came to Houston, Texas. That was the first city that we came to. And that was a very big culture shock. I mean, I was around six years old, six, seven years old. So just knowing that it was a whole new environment and obviously not knowing the language, that was a really big um, barrier that I felt was stopping me from, you know, pushing forward just because obviously as a six-year-old, you're like trying to figure out who you are or like still in that stage of like not knowing much. Right. But then also you're surrounded by certain people that you don't know, um, you don't know how to communicate. Right? right. So, so, you know, I found myself in that space where I, I was, I was very sad at some point because I didn't know how to talk to my classmates and I felt there was a lot of like, um, discrimination in a way against me because, you know, towards me because I, I didn't communicate. I couldn't. And of course, being in in a different city that's not Miami where there's so much you know so many different cultures and and a lot of different people from all over the world um I wasn't in that city where there was that much diversity so it you know it it was it was hard I I still remember like you know when something like really impactful happens when you're little like that memory never goes away so that's that's how I feel towards that that youth that I had um there was a lot of 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 sadness but then from that sadness came the strength and the lessons and and that that fire inside of me did you 
were you ever bullied in Texas? Since it's a whole different, uh, different, uh, what, how do I say, like background, and right. rarely any diversity in that state. Right. Um, so. I, wasn't, I wouldn't say I was bullied, right? I wouldn't say I was bullied, but I would say that I was um, facing the difficulty in communicating with my classmates and also not, not understanding, like, why there was some kind of... Um, disconnect. Disconnect, but also feeling towards me. You know, I felt it. You know, you feel it. You f I felt that I wasn't fitting in with the rest of my classmates. And it was tough. It was tough, but like I said, that's that's where I got my strength from. I believe, you know. Obviously, I was a child, so it was kind of traumatizing. <laughs> right, right. And so, when you moved to Miami, did you feel like you were at home, or did you already have family here, or was it a completely new city for you? Again, it was a complete new city. Again, I mean, it was just like a whole new world again. Um, but in a way, 100%, I felt like I fit in more because I knew that the people in my class came from similar countries that I came from, right? I had um, Ecuadorians, Venezuelans, um, Nicaraguans, Guatemalans. You know, I had people from, from my culture, right, at the end of the day. Right. And, and that kind of made me feel a little better. But I think no matter what, you're always feeling like when you move to a new place, like you don't fit in. Right. It right. Takes it's time. Little, it's a little insecurity. Yeah. 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 The hundred percent. I was super insecure when I came in. I mean, despite the fact that I was in Miami, um, I still felt insecure about my surroundings and who I was and, and why, you know, from coming from Houston, like that experience I had, I felt it similar here, but it was a quicker fit in, you know, like I, I, I immediately kind of felt right. um, that, that, Con that the difference and connected. Right. Right, because I think um, def I, it's probably more so of being a new girl in school versus being uh -huh. like shunned. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. being Hispanic. Correct. I felt. Um, oh. Oh, don't worry. Oh, are we good? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, now, okay, yeah. what did you want to say? No, I was just saying that I felt the new girl feeling um, when I came here to Miami, but then I felt more of like the outcast in Houston and like you know because of my culture because of the way I looked and you know that that part so for all the people listening what do you think you look like what do you think how how does your latinaism shine through you i guess well there's a lot there's a lot of 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 my culture that that I represent and I feel proud of representing um but I think my my passion like I think my passion is like it's like there's no denying that I I just get excited I can I can really um communicate with people and, and express like something there's something I express that I don't know how to even express when I start thinking about it <laughs> but I think it's like it just comes through naturally because I know um where we come from I know the barriers that we face so you know I, I choose to like live that life of like passion because it's like there's no other way like there's so much adversity that you conquer and that you go through there's so much um there's so many barriers that you face but you're still going forward so how can I just chill how can I just sit and not have passion and not be excited about what I'm doing and not feel 
um, energy, you know, that that's just, that's it. I love that. I love that. And also, I think one of the biggest reasons why you're so passionate about DACA mm-hmm. is because you, obviously you come from the, the, the background and I guess we can start diving into what mm-hmm. DACA is yeah. and why you feel so passionate about it and just educate. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't call myself an expert at this, right? But, um, well, I am a DACA recipient. So what is DACA? It stands for Deferred, um, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So what does that mean? It is a protection from deportation, okay, when you're in this country. Um, a lot of people, you know, they, yeah, like you, what you said, educate, because obviously a lot of the times when we're in certain situations and, and we're doing our thing and we're in our own lane, we don't know what's going on in other people's lives and how they're dealing with certain things. And so it is important for, for us to communicate and talk about these things that are truly impacting our country because mm-hmm. it is impacting our whole country and our planet and us as human beings. Um, so what does it mean to be a DACA recipient? It means that you have protection from deportation. Now, DACA is something that is so meaningful. Um, and the more you dive into the topic, the more you realize why it's so meaningful. And it's because this was something that people fought for. It was not something that was given. It was something that our community leaders and our community in general fought for, okay? Um, so, you know, when people think about it, they just think like, oh, it was this, this um, executive order from Obama when he, was in, when he was in office. And it was not. It wasn't just him waking up one day making it happen. It was the people that fought so hard for this to happen. And that's what I think is so important to talk about it because, you know, the pow- I love that it's the power of the people is stronger than the power of the people in office. So mm-hmm. you have to realize that you have power in your voice, you have power in your actions, and you can do so much once you communicate that with a community. Okay, so like, that's something that's so important to me because I was a DACA recipient for a very long time and I never thought about how I got DACA. (laughs) I never thought about, you know, and I'm sure a lot of DACA recipients that could be listening to this don't know, don't know what came behind it because if you don't dive into the topic, then you don't really know. Um, So DACA was something that was fought for by, by young, by the youth. It was really fought by the youth immigrant leaders, immigrant, um, the immigrant community and people who were not going to give up on, on staying in the country that they call home. And, and, you know, despite the fact that there, that there, there was a lot of, um, there were so many moments in these people's lives that were scary because they're undocumented. Just think about, you know, fighting for something passionate about, and you're still fearing the fact that, can you hear me? Oh yeah. That, that you're fearing the fact that you can be literally deported immediately from the right. actions you're taking. That's how passionate they were. They did not care about that. They were sick and tired of it, and they stood up for what they knew was right. And here we are. We have DACA because of these fighters. So I'm super proud of the people that, that fought for this, and I'm really grateful that I know a lot of them. So grateful. Every time someone tells me that they were, you know, the people who walked from Miami to D.C., um, walking 
I mean, just knowing that these people are, are living in our communities, it's so, it's so powerful and empowering. That's incredible. I love, I love how passionate you were about DACA. And w one of the things that stood out to me is that you spoke at the Women's March in 2017 or 2018? 2018. 2018. Mm -hmm. um, and just bringing awareness to DACA and bringing awareness to DACA in our college, in our university mm -hmm. is so powerful. Like, tell me why you decided to take action and become an activist. Like, what propelled you into that direction? So, I mean, that was actually, that's something that I always remind myself of because like I was saying originally, I, I was a DACA recipient. I never knew exactly, you know, where DACA came from. Why am I DACA recipient? I don't know, but I'm obviously still grateful for it. That was my initial thought, right? But then I'm like, no, I can't just sit down, be a DACA recipient, not think about the people or where this really came from. And something that really sparked that was when I was in college and DACA got rescinded in 2017. Mm -hmm. So what did I do? What did that do to me? It made me realize that the same way DACA came about, we had to fight for it to stay. So and I wasn't going to sit down this time. I wasn't going to let someone else do it. I wasn't going to let someone else take care of it. And then I benefit from it. I said, I need to do something right now because at the end of the day, I am a DACA recipient. This is affecting my community. And just how these people fought so hard to, to bring it to life, I need to do the same for us to keep it and for us to have an actual permanent solution for all the undocumented um, immigrant community in this country. So right. that's where that fire came from, because I realized that I wasn't just going to sit down and, and be on the sidelines. I needed to take part. And, and that's what happened in 2017 for me. And once I stepped into that of, of, of activism and once I kind of really like stepped foot into that, I realized how powerful our community really is and, and how much goes behind small things that we take for granted and also other people take for granted. I think that's incredible. I, I also want to talk about because there has, once Trump announced that he was going to end the DACA program in mm -hmm. 2017, mm -hmm. he, there was a lot of backlash that was faced with it. There was a lot of people that were fighting for it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, Summer 2020 was supposed to be when they, when the Supreme Court decides. Yeah, so that's actually where we're at right now. Right, right. now, we are in a state of limbo. That's, that's been us. So I actually wanted to talk about that because as we're in the middle of this pandemic, as we're in the middle of this crazy environment, you know, global environment that we're dealing with, there is another side of this. Obviously, people are dealing with this differently. There's been people in incredibly um negatively impacted by what's going on in the world um but as DACA recipients we're also dealing with the fact that we don't know if tomorrow we're gonna have DACA we don't know so it's in the middle of of this crazy environment that you know you barely have your job right now right because things are shut down um they're cutting down everything and then you realize I may not even have a work permit. Okay. I may not even have a work permit tomorrow because it could all end from one day to the next. So 
What does that mean? Um, to your point of June uh, in this, this year. So throughout this time, it's been like we've been waiting for a, any kind of answer or no answer at all. Because right now, no answer is great. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> no answer is great. Because we, um, you know, of course, you know, the Supreme Court hears these cases and they make a decision that's going to impact us tremendously. So right. right now, we've been in the middle of, um, this is like constant, weekly, it's like this week, they may make, the Supreme Court may make a decision on DACA next week. This week, we're gonna, the Supreme Court may make a decision on DACA. So it's been like this for several weeks now. And really? yes, yes, yes. This whole time. I mean, when did I, when did this start happening? And if I'm not mistaken in February, in March, okay, in March, well, at least that I'm aware of in March. Um, and it's been going on. It's been going on th weeks, weeks, weeks. And then now um, what we were trying to do is push the Supreme Court not to hear this because we're in the middle of a pandemic. How can you make a decision that right. is going to affect the community of people who are working in the front lines too. It's right. not only the fact that, you know, some people are at home. No, these people are also our nurses. These people are also working in the front lines. They're working at the grocery stores. They're helping through this pandemic. So, you know, a lot of community, a lot of organizations were fighting for this decision not to take place right now. And we still don't have a decision. Like I said, no decision right now is good for us. Right. But but it still means that we're getting closer to kind of the June date. Right. Because when do you know the official June date? No, no, okay. I do not know. Like I said, I mean, right now we've been we've been like, for example, Mondays. We're like, OK, on Mondays and Thursdays are usually the days that we've been like, they may make a decision right now. They may make a decision today. So we're just mentally preparing ourselves for a decision because we know it's going to come. But I can't leave this out is the reason why I also want to talk about this is because I want to make sure people understand that whatever the decision is, they need to know that we're still a community. There's still people that are going to help each other get through this. And, and we're here to stay like this is our country and, and we're going to we're going to fight for something. I think that's so incredible and so powerful. And I love what you're doing. And I love how passionate you are about it. Now, when it comes to DACA and growing and applying to colleges or applying mm -hmm. to jobs, how does how has that affected you? Has that affected you in such way? Like, do you sometimes have to, um, for instance, if your workers permit is about to end and mm -hmm. it just doesn't come in on time, and you're like, have you ever struggled with something like that where like I need to get this permit in so that I can still continue to work and get paid. Yeah. I mean, so okay. going back to the, the university situation, that was, that was tough. Um, that's when actually I found out really my, my status um, when I was a junior in high school and I realized like, how am I going to go to school? You know, how am I going to really continue my education without knowing that, I don't have access without having access to so many things that people have access to when they are U.S. citizens or U.S. residents. So that was a huge concern. So when I when I went to school, I went to Miami-Dade and I was able to get the American Dream Scholarship, which 
was only based on your academic um, grades and anything that has to do just academically. It was not based on your status. And that was the only scholarship I found when I was going into Miami-Dade. So that was a huge blessing. Then for Miami-Dade, I was going to transition to um, Florida International University. And I realized, how am I going to do this? How am I going to go to an actual university now where I don't have any funds to cover fully, you know, for the two years that I have left? And I knew I wasn't alone in that. I mean, there were hundreds, thousands of people dealing with the same situation. Um, so it was, it was scary, but I had to do a lot of research and I found a scholarship called the dream.us. And that was the only scholarship that helped DACA recipients at the time, at least that I'm aware of. Um, and it was, I mean, obviously it was like a gift sent from God that I received it. But at the end of the day, I know so many DACA recipients that are, and this pushes us back from education too, because people need to work full time to cover those classes. Right. The cost of university is so high. They can't be full-time students. They can't graduate on time. So things just start falling back. And that's, that's part of, of, of the struggle, you know, that's part of, of what we have to deal with and, and why we have to continue fighting because this is really affecting every single person. For sure. And I think what's unfortunate is that I'm pretty sure there would have been a march in D.C. fighting for this. And now since we're in this pandemic, mm. I feel like that's going to kind of hinder the I hope it doesn't. But I feel like it could hinder the process or it could just not um, it can make it seem like it's not needed at the moment, mm. even though we're all like we're supposed to be stuck at home. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Well, right now, yes, it does kind of affect it, of course, because we, you know, a lot of organizations would be in D.C. right now, constantly, right. you know, outside waiting for a response, fighting for right. it physically. But we're super thankful for social media and, yeah. and media in general, because although, you know, everyone, I mean, it's better that everyone's home right now because we're all going to be focusing on certain issues like this, right? That right. we can get through people easier if that makes any sense. Right. Um, so there are a lot of organizations that are doing media, um, push, push through the media, um, specifically like Instagram lives like this, talking about the sub, the subject is, is what really makes a difference. But who knows? I mean, we, we're hoping for the best. We're hoping that there is no response right now because people are, are trying to stay healthy and people are trying to, you know, if they work at the front lines, they're just trying to do their best. They're just trying. And, and, and I think, you know, the main idea of, of the main concept and why we're, I'm happy right now is because the Supreme Court is not making a decision, at least for this week, right? Right. Week by week. We're right. Taking it. Right. So I think that's something that a lot of people and a lot of Americans don't notice is that there's a lot of people just struggling to stay here or just struggling to carry the weight that their immigration has has bestowed on them. Mm -hmm. And so I just loved being able to bring awareness to this topic. Is there anything that you want to mention before we wrap this podcast up or how we can contact you or in case anyone wants to contact you for more activism, DACA related well, stuff? 
Well, I did want to share um, what I shared a few minutes ago is whoever's listening to this, if you are a DACA recipient or whatever you're dealing with, you know, if a family member is dealing with something similar, um, because remember, we're around 11 million, okay, from our undocumented community. So at the end of the day, there's someone listening to this that is part of our community. And you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're here to fight with you. We, we have to be resourceful we, with what we have access to. And thankfully, right now, we have access to social media. We have access to phones. We have access to some kind of communication where we know there's someone on the other side that can help. And, and that's the importance of community because when I wasn't involved in a community, when I wasn't involved in an organization, I felt alone. And that feeling of alone and that feeling that you can't talk about your status, that feeling that you, you feel like you're the only person that's dealing with this is not a good feeling. So I just want to make sure whoever is listening to this, know you're not alone know there's so many organizations ready to lend you their hands, literally, like extend their hands to you and say, we're here together. There's people, not even just organizations, people that are dealing with this that can be by your side to help you and, and really push you to move forward because at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do. We're here to move forward. We're here to bring the country more growth. We're here to, to be the best version of ourselves but also help others be the best version of themselves and uplift the country. I love that. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, yes. I just wanted to share. Yes. Okay. My friend, my friend, um, he's also involved um, with several organizations. He wrote define America forward.us united we dream. Yes. So these are just some um, Florida immigrant coalition. These are just some organizations who are doing great work in our community, especially I would say um, United We Dream. There's there's chapters everywhere. There's people doing this, you know, gra like on the field doing the work. Um, and it's important to get involved. Get involved. Reach out to me if you have questions. Um, if you want to get involved. If you just want someone to hear you out. We're all here for each other. Thank you so much, Loret. And the final question that I have for all the self-made babes are, is what are you proud of but never have an excuse to talk about? For me personally? Yeah. What am I proud of, but don't have an excuse to talk about? What do you mean? What do you mean I by don't have an excuse to talk I about? I don't know that you just feel like it's out of place to talk about or like you just get like a little like shy about it or just, um, just want, don't want to seem like you're showing off that you haven't shared, you know, something that you're proud of that you have accomplished that you don't, you haven't been given the excuse to talk about? I would say, I don't know. I don't know because I feel like I, I'm, I'm very outspoken and, and maybe I won't say that I'm proud of myself because yeah, I don't want to be like, Ooh, I'm the best or it's me. No, but I'm proud of a moment in general or a certain group in general. I would say I'm proud of the work that the immigrant community has done. I'm proud. I'm proud because at least from where I'm seeing the situation, there's a lot more people involved. There's a lot more people aware. There is, there is a lot of momentum that just continues to grow. And I think that that is something that maybe a lot of people don't talk about or, or don't have the, the, the space to talk about. And it's the fact that the growth of, of these organizations and these movements 
are big and there's people that just need to be aware of of what's taking place because this is happening your neighbors are daca recipients um your student your school teachers could be daca recipient i mean it's all over it's all over mm-hmm. so we all have to be aware of these things and we have to figure out how we can support it and how we can contribute at the end of the day because we're all here to stay i love that thank you so much for being a part of the self made bay of podcast if you want to follow lorena do your little shout out <laughs> <laughs> lore double e and an m lorena okay. perfect and check her out follow her and just join her community as well so that you can learn a lot more from her thank you for being a part thank you for joining this live and thank you for being a part of this podcast lore i appreciate you you're doing great things and i hope everything with daca gets resolved for sure and i'll definitely reach out yeah and i'll definitely reach out to you regarding the specific organization so that i can be aware yes and yes that, oh, oh, or... yeah <laughs> even just like following like staying up to date through social media right. you know everyone right now is big on it you know right. small small things that are shared are just important to stay up to date all right thank yes. you thank you so much thank for you. having me thank of you. course You're awesome. and You're awesome too. And um I hope to see you or hear you or I hope you're back for the next podcast episode everyone. Yes. Thank you so much. Have a good bye. one. You bye. too. Bye. bye.